I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jason. You're shortchanging us today. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. My apologies. I, should, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't downplay how awesome you are, Jason. That's nothing to do with me. We're a team here, pal. <laughs> This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now is former BYU quarterback, great second round draft pick in the NFL. We're calling him the BYU quarterback whisperer for what he's done with Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. He is John Beck. John, welcome to the show on a Friday. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We're great, man. Awesome. We're, uh, we're trying to figure out if we think it's better for BYU football to be ranked going into the season or to be just outside the poll because we just cited that the four best finishes in the AP Top 25 for BYU in the history of the program – all began with the Cougars being unranked. Like they've had these mighty rises, but it's just it's just nice to be validated and start a season ranked. So where do you stand on that? Like, is it more beneficial or more of a motivator to not be ranked? What, what do you think? Maybe it does have something to do with a little bit of the chip on the shoulder effect where you start outside of that 25 and you're saying, we're way better than this. Let's go prove something. But it would be nice to start the season a little bit higher. Like you guys were talking with me during the break. Like some of those teams, how much they could have gained from starting inside the top 25 and then putting those seasons together. Um, because you can only climb so high when you start outside the top 25. I think it'd be cool to break the trend, though. How about we have a, a top finish for a team and let them start inside the top 25 mm. and let's see how high they can go. And that'd be great because the seasons we're talking about are zero or one loss years. Like, these are truly the most special seasons in BYU history, right? But take me back to 05 because um, you guys are a top 10 offense. You played some close games. You rebounded and went to a bowl game. You walk into 06 with high internal expectations. But people didn't think, hey, this BYU team is going to be one of the top 10 teams of all time and da-da-da. So, obviously, the one and two start, you had to climb out of it and win 10 in a row to finish 16th in the country. What do you, how do you feel about that 06 game relative to sort of expectations versus reality? Well, we, inside of that 06 team, we knew how good we could be. Uh, you know, you finish the season losing in a, a, a game, to a good Cal team in a bowl game, an overtime game to Utah, and you kind of know, and then TCU that year was a, an overtime loss. So, you're looking at it like, you know, we were two overtime losses away from being the conference champions and then close to having a bowl win. And it's like, okay, we're right there at the tipping point. And really, it didn't matter where we started. Like, we weren't looking at it like, oh, we should be inside the top 25. It was more like we know we're a really good team. The unfortunate thing was then you go start the season off one and two. Nobody at all would have thought that's how it was going to go. But that internal belief within the team of, all right, let's just get things going. Let's get back on track and we can run the table. Uh I, th I think there were a lot of people going into that season that believed we could have an undefeated season. Um, I know that's how I felt. I know that's how a lot of my teammates felt. Um, it didn't, it was an undefeated season, but it was pretty close. And I think that that's one of the biggest things as well is what's the nucleus of the team? Like, what do they feel about what that season can look like? And you look at the leaders, you look at the seniors, you look at the coaching staff that's been around a lot of NFL football. I mean, sorry, not NFL. Jeez, I've done so many. <laughs> I've done so many interviews. I'm like spitting out NFL and college. Like, holy crap. 
but, you know, I look at some of those coaches that are on staffs that have seen a lot of the really good teams, and they say, this team's got it. Um, and so whether you start inside, outside the 25, like at the end of the day, it's how does that team feel because that's what's going to make the season. Whether it starts out rough, whether there's a rough patch in the middle that you got to overcome, what does that team believe about themselves? Uh, you're not kidding. That 2006 season was a double overtime loss at Boston College and a last-second 49-yard field goal against Arizona away uh. from being undefeated. It's wild. But you, to your credit and the team's credit in 2006, you go on the road, you win your conference opener against 16th-ranked TCU, and then you rattle off 10 straight wins to finish number 16. When you finally did crack into the rankings, John, how much did that matter to you as a player? It didn't. I mean, I wasn't one of those guys that was like looking at the rankings and seeing like, all right, hey, where are we now? Because I never really had that luxury in the seasons before that. We were struggling a lot of the time. So, you know, the ranking thing wasn't as important to me as just going out and performing each and every week. Um, and, you know, at the end of the season, it is nice to know, hey, we rattled off all these wins. We were viewed as a top team. In your mind, you actually feel like, well, we should be higher than that. Like these teams that we lost to in the beginning of the season, there's no way we should have lost to them. But I don't know, as you're going during a season, it, it like for me, it never really mattered. I don't know what it would have been like to, I know there was a year there where like Max and Dennis and Austin and those guys at one time were like dang near the top five, I want to say. Or one time they were ranked like a six or something. I know they played a TCU game where I think both were close to being inside the top 10. I mean, maybe then it matters. But I just know when, like, when our team was going, we've been through so much, my senior class. I don't know if many guys were focused on where they were ranked. We just wanted to win each game we played in. Yeah, 08 is at, ranked as high as 8th in the AP poll, and then 09 as high as 7th, yeah, which is just incredible to crack the top 10 like that. Okay, let's talk about Jaron Hall. He walks in healthy and the guy for the first time, right? Those two combination things. He's worked with you during the offseason. He flew, he didn't drive. What was it like for Jaron uh, working with him? What did you work on, and what do you foresee this season? So before I answer, I just want to apologize to any BYU fans that this season I'm crossing my fingers that there's no stuff on ESPN where they talk about trips out to California. <laughs> you know, I know BYU fans are so sick and tired of hearing that, and I'm just like, look, I'm crossing my fingers. Uh, Please. But... <laughs> I'm super excited for Jaron. Look, it's been a great opportunity for me to get to know him. Um, he's worked extremely hard, especially this last year. We've been able to spend the most time over kind of his time at BYU. The most time has been this year. I've been able to make some trips up to Provo. Oh, crap. That may get out now. Now we're going to talk about my trips up to Provo. <laughs> John Beck went to Provo. He drove 12 <laughs> hours to Provo. <laughs> I flew. I flew everyone. He took a hand um, cart to Provo. Okay, okay. You came up to Provo to work with him. Oh, my gosh. Is that going to be a thing like how they make the young men and women in the ward go push hand carts? It's like <laughs> people are going to make the trek. Make the journey. That's acted. What have we done? <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's going to be like a Ragnar race from Huntington Beach to Provo. <laughs> the, the BYU quarterback Ragnar. Okay. All right, all right. Bring it oh on back. Really we're, bring, we're bringing right. it back. We're bringing it back. Okay, so you, you, flew, you flew up here. You worked with Jaron. What did you work on when you were with him in Utah? Well, for really, it's like 
it's kind of fine tuning a lot of the things uh, that we introduced a few years back, right? So the stuff that we teach, the way that we kind of integrate things into a person's system, into their offense, it takes time, right? It's not just like a flip of a switch. Like I know everybody sees the Zach Wilson that went off and had that amazing junior year and was the number two pick. That was years in the making. So the cool thing for me is um, just like how I've been with some of my NFL guys, you see these great strides year two, year three. This is Jaron's opportunity for those things. Um, he had a great year last year. He was super efficient. But there's some things that we absolutely identified on tape and said, all right, these are areas that we can build. And he's worked really hard at those areas. And I've seen the fruits of his labor when I get out to practice on the field with him. The other thing that's been cool – He's done a great job of bringing teammates out here and then having teammates there when I'm in Provo. So it's been awesome to work with the guys on the offense within that system. And to me, I expect to see a cleaner version of Jaron, which to most people's eyes, they're not even going to notice it because it's little details like his drop, his positioning, his eyes, what he does with his shoulders. There's some things that he's going to be doing as a veteran player where he's going to be able to manipulate some people based off of some things that because of the experience of last year, he can now build upon it. Nobody can just jump. It's like the same anything in life, line upon line, precept upon precept, right? We want to grow. It takes time. It's the same in quarterbacking. So it's cool to have last year's experiences and then build on them. John Beck, elite quarterback and football analyst. Great to have you with us on the show, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, man, that was good. We had some laughs there, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> it was a memorable one for sure. <laughs> All right, John Beck with us on BYU Sports Nation. Hey, he quoted uh, the Book of Mormon line upon line, precept upon precept. We got the hand cards. We got know your audience. You know what I'm saying? That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. All right, it's August 10th, so it's time for Schedule Superlatives, uh, where we slice up the schedule into parts, break it down. So, we've got several categories. Let's walk through these and alternate uh, answers here. What's the best game on the 2022 football schedule, in your opinion, Chip? For me right now, it's Baylor, and for many different reasons. Number one, it's an opportunity to face a Big 12 team, a team that you faced last year. Hey, brother. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, and this game is at home. And I know a lot of people may want to say Notre Dame. And that's a, a quote-unquote neutral site game. We know that's probably not going to be the case. But the fact that you get Baylor at home, Baylor is going to be good again. I don't yep. think they're going to be as good as they were last year. That's the hope. Because they, they ran for 300 they yards. They will certainly be good. But I love that matchup, and I just like the idea of an opportunity to face a team that beat you last year. You get not, not revenge. I don't know if there's those kind of feelings. because I, don't, I want to say it's, it's that type of situation. But to be able to get one back the last year of independence as you go into that conference, for me, the best game is Baylor. And quite frankly, it, I believe, has the, the line, I think, is the closest in terms of some of those bigger games. So it's expected to be a really, really good game. So that's why I go with the Baylor Bears. Baylor certainly doesn't, certainly doesn't have the tradition of an Oklahoma or a Texas or, or whatnot. But if I told you a Power 5 champ not named Utah is coming to Provo, yes. that's a huge game. Absolutely. So that, that's a great pick. I go with Notre Dame. Uh, seems Yeah, like um, the obvious angle, I guess, on this. You finally get that game. There's also this edge to this game because it's not in Provo. Right. I know that uh, the administration has said all the right things, which is great. 
I know they're competitive and want to win this game, obviously. But the fan base is still right up about this not being Pro Bowl <laughs> and it being in Vegas. And, uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go. And we're uh, excited to see what BYU wears in that game. But, yeah, best game on the schedule, Notre Dame. I think they'll be the highest-ranked team at that time uh, that BYU plays. I'm not sure when the season ends if Notre Dame will be the best team BYU will have played by ranking. Perhaps. Yeah, it's certainly possible. I, I, look, honestly, when, I, when it's all said and done, I think if we were to ask this question, I think most people would fall on one of – I would say 80% of the answers would fall on either Baylor or Notre Dame. I think there I are, would say Oregon's Oregon probably going to be mix, an answer in the mix. But I, yeah. I still think between those two, I think you would get 80% of the vote. Notre Dame has a first-year head coach in Marcus Freeman. Baylor ha- returns its coach in Dave Aranda, organizes a new coach in Dan Lanning. So Baylor, for your side of this argument, certainly has uh, more continuity. Yes. But you do, uh, but does have a new quarterback, new running back, new set of receivers. Uh, so it's going to be a different Baylor. The return of Jeff Grimes. And Eric Mateos. The Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos game, yes. What's up? They okay. ran for 300 yards on BYU. I'm not sure they're <laughs> going to get the same welcome as Bronco Mendenhall and the boys last year. Probably not. All right, we've gone from best game. How about the trap game? And I'm avoiding yep. saying that. Admiral sp- Akbar. Oh, yeah, it's a trap. I'm trying not to be that obvious about <laughs> it. But what's the trap game for you on this schedule? Okay, this one's sneaky to me. Typically, you, you talk about a game before a big game. I'm going a game after a big game. I'm going Arkansas. I think BYU's going to go so hard against Notre Dame. It's going to be tough to get up for Arkansas the next week. Is it? They're the an SEC team. What are you talking about? I think BYU's going to expel a lot of energy against Utah State on September 29th on a Thursday. Go down to Vegas October 8th, try and win perhaps the biggest game of the season, one of, right? And then Arkansas comes to town, just the second team and third game ever from the SEC in Provo. That is a huge game. There's a preseason top 25 team. It might be in the top 20 then. Third pick in the SEC West. That's a very good team out of the SEC. Physical game against Notre Dame. Physical game again against the Razorbacks. I'm actually going to go one week later for my answer, and I'm going to go with Liberty. And... The reason I'm using Liberty is because the two previous games before, you have Notre Dame, you have Arkansas. There's obviously, and even even if you want to extend it to Utah State, you have all of those games that you know BYU is going to be up for. Depending on how that how that goes, and, and maybe even regardless of how that goes, you're not going to be looking at Liberty the same way you're going to be looking at an SEC team in Arkansas and Notre Dame. It's just, you're just, you just don't. So the fact that you have to go to Lynchburg and play Liberty, that's the one that I could easily see being a trap game. Now, make no mistake, I think BYU wins that game. Absolutely, BYU should win that game. But Liberty is a, is a good football team. They obviously had a quarterback that was drafted in this most Malik recent Willis. NFL draft. BYU will have played Liberty twice, but never faced yes. Malik Willis. They got, yes, l- they got lucky, though. It's true. Yeah. So for me, the, I go after you, you. You're up for Notre Dame. That's just massive. So much attention to that game. Then you have S- the NSCC team in Arkansas. And then, oh, and here's Liberty. Don't overlook Liberty. Even though I think BYU wins that game, don't overlook Liberty. And in Virginia, like East Coast, always tricky. Uh, rare is the time BYU goes to the East Coast and just blows out a fool, right? 2014 UConn sticks out. There are other t- UCF 2020 Boca Raton, but there are fewer instances of that. Look, it's hard to win, and it's hard to win big. USF sticks out. And watch that game too. be at like 10 a.m. Mountain. Oh my gosh! Because right now it's TBA. Please no. It's it, <laughs> it's ESPNU in the late afternoon. Uh, that's that's like the best case scenario. Okay, best revenge game. Spencer and I discussed this a couple weeks ago. My answer has changed. What is yours? Um, well, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I, I don't know if I necessarily when I think revenge game, I think of something. Like, it's nasty, and I, so I don't feel that BYU-Baylor is nasty. BYU does not play St. Mary's in football. <laughs> that is true. But I still, I'm still going with the Baylor game as a revenge game because really of what happened last year. Show. 
it's going to be a theme throughout all of these superlatives. It's going to be great. So I'm going with Baylor again because, look, not only do you want to get them back for, for losing to them last year, but I'll, I'll, I'll go again to the fact that you want to set a tone going into that conference next year. This is your opportunity yeah. to face a Big 12 team. You get them at home. It's your opportunity to show showcase BYU and Provo and give them a loss heading into conference play next year. I forgot about the onside kick in that game. Toad just showed that. <laughs> that was terrible. Okay, uh, I'll mix it up. A couple weeks ago, I said Baylor like you. I'm going Boise State because it's the last one you play because of how last year happened. That, that's a big-time revenge game. BYU's not going to play Boise State in a minute. More on that in a moment. Um, so this is, this is a big moment because these are two programs that liken themselves to each other. Um, regional matchup. Guess what? Boise State has had more recent success than BYU. Granted, that was last decade. BYU's had more recent success, I guess, the last two years, right? Because this isn't the same Boise State program that it was. Like, it's not Chris Peterson and Kellen Moore anymore. That's Brett Ribbon. It's not, they're not that group. Although they do have the greatest quarterback in the history of college football, Hank Bachmeyer. Um, you know, that's going to be... <laughs> you didn't even laugh? We always make that joke. I thought you were on... That was my joke. I'm a little upset that you took it. <laughs> Boise State. That's, that's going to be a huge revenge game. All right. How about the biggest statement game? I think this one's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame. I, I just think it's hard to uh, have a game that, you know, nationally will make waves more than Notre Dame, even if Notre Dame's uh, good but not great. Right. Like, we hope Notre Dame's walking in at least 4-1 and one into that game. I think they play a pretty tough schedule leading up. We'll look it up in a sec. But uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. It's NBC. It's it's Fighting Irish. It's Rudy. It's old deal. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I believe that it is Notre Dame. I think, and I agree with what you said earlier. It'll be the highest ranked team BYU faces when they when they play them. The fact that it, let's be honest, it's neutral site, but it's a road game. Yep. It's going to be a predominant Notre Dame fan base in attendance. Wait, and why? I, and I and I think it's going. If you win that game, if you're BYU, I think you're going to get the most attention yes. by beating Notre Dame under those circumstances. Notre Dame season opener is at Ohio State. How about that game Preview of September 3rd? Conference games to come. Of Big Ten play because, no, no Notre Dame's going to stay independent. Okay, uh, sorry, we're leaving independence, Notre Dame. See you. Uh, they're like, you were independent? We didn't even know. Uh, toughest three-game stretch. This is an interesting question. Yeah, and you and I took different um, avenues on this one. I, the way I look at it, the first three games, to me, it's the toughest stretch. It's the toughest okay. three-game stretch. Yeah. South Florida, Baylor, and Oregon. If for no other reason than what we've seen as an independent, everything about BYU's season hinges on the way the season starts. Because if you come out of the gate and, and lay an egg, it's, it sets you back for most of your goals the rest of the year. Yeah. And so you have the tough teams in Baylor and Oregon. You have to come out and set the tone week one against South Florida. And let's also let's not forget the fact that it's a season opener. So you, right out of the gate, you've got to be ready to go. Everybody's going to be pumped. So I say the first three games are the toughest three-game stretch. I go Utah State, Notre Dame, Arkansas, and I'll see your USF, Baylor, Oregon, and raise you those three because BYU generally is going to get banged up a little bit. So you've got to show up in the middle of the season too. Let's say BYU jumps out and is very successful at the beginning of the year, like you, like you mentioned. If, if you struggle through this stretch, you kind of blow up what you did at the beginning. Obviously, you just need to win as many games as possible. But I think at this point, when you go games four, five, six, this is a really important stretch where you're playing three good teams. Utah State finished top 25, returns Logan Bunner. Um, that, that's a good team. Are they picked to win the Mountain West? No. 
But that's a good team. They come to Provo. Interesting feelings with final game with Utah State. Maybe in a minute. We'll see when we play them next. But there's no reason BYU should lose that game. Right. It's just a big game, right? And it's Utah State Super Bowl, as we like to uh, mention. So that, that's, uh, that's a tough three-game stretch. By the way, Cougar Stats yesterday said BYU's 21-5 and in its last 26 um, season openers and undefeated against G5s. Let's go. So BYU does well out of the gate. All right. Uh, this is one of your favorites. The favorite last time we were playing these guys in a while. Game. Game. Uh, Boise team. State. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's just a lot there. That, that seems pretty obvious. Last year, yep. the regional matchup, you always, uh, one win on the, on the uh, Smurf turf, let's go. Yeah, and, and any excuse show Matt Payne. <laughs> Just wrecking fools. <laughs> any excuse we have Matt Payne. Yeah, let's go. There have been some classic matchups, right? Yeah, we agree on this again. Uh, Boise State is the answer. There's just so many things on both sides of this rivalry Absolutely. game that have been messed up because the other team beat them. You know what I mean? Plus, like, you've got the dynamic of, like, the members of the church who live in Boise who are Boise State fans. Right. Like, you have those, like, members of the church who are Utah fans against BYU. Look, I'm Boise never, State is yes, the other one. Yes, yeah. I am never going to miss a trip for BYU up to Boise. You won't miss it? Like, when they don't play Like, it. like I, I, I want no part of that anymore. That has been just an <laughs> absolute good. nightmare for BYU historically up yes. there. So, I, the fact that BYU they're doesn't have to go up there, they're fantastic they're up there. Not having to worry about that, I am all for it. Okay, best road trip. Uh, I, I'm going right to the beginning. I'm going South Florida, and it's number one. It's the season opener, so everybody's pumped. High, expectations are high, yep. but it's it's Tampa. It's Tampa, Florida. You're going to an NFL stadium. It's in Tampa. The weather's going to be awesome, and it's the season opener. That's the best. That's the best road trip to me. You could turn that into a Disney World Orlando deal too. You could what about a two two and a half hour drive, maybe, not, not or not even bad. that? That's, uh, I th- it might even be close. I don't know. Okay, I, I'm saying Oregon. I'm, my 503 bias is coming out because you can hit up Portland. Also, play, playing at Oregon is special. Like, that's one of the top venues in the country to go to. I would argue top uh, 15, top 20. They play Matt Kearney coming home with the Oregon High. It's a great song. Like, that's one where I'm, like, super bummed I'm not going to be able to go to that particular road game this year. Going to Austin would be pretty cool. I've seen one game there. Real special. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I've never been there. Uh, favorite TV time combo? Uh, Utah Tech live on BYU TV okay. um, so, so is, is my answer. Yeah, so it's so, so one one thirty uh, Mountain Time. Uh, They're I, in the afternoon again. Yes, they are in the afternoon again. Uh, also, the Oregon <laughs> game is in the afternoon, and that's one of the reasons I picked it. It's Oregon on Big Fox in the afternoon. Big Fox matchup. One matchup. <laughs> matchup network and afternoon game. I don't know of another. T- uh, it's happened, but I can't recall the last Pacific Time Zone day game BYU's played in. I mean, incredible. Okay. Last but not least, least interesting game. Look, we really don't need to spend a ton of time on this. It's Utah Tech. I think it's Idaho State, even though BYU doesn't play Idaho State. Um, no, it's Utah Tech. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but at that point of the season, we hope that BYU is cooking and, like, you know, 9-1 uh, and one at that That's, point. That is the uh, hope. And, like, Well, the hope is 12th. more than that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, the realistic hope is nine and one at that point, or, or and we or get to eight see, and two, and we get probably. to see the new voice of the Utah Tech Trailblazers, Rod Zundel. What? Rod Zundel's yes. the voice of the yes of the get to see Zippy Trailblazers for that game. Nice. Yeah. Okay, but it all starts in how many days? Countdown to the Bulls. Twenty-four days. Twenty. We're a little after that. Summer. Okay, our question of the day: What's the biggest statement game on BYU's schedule this year? McCann's season? over here. He wishes he was singing with us. Next, next segment, we'll bring Dave in to sing. Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Dirk Keeler, sounds like an old newspaper writer on Instagram. Baylor, 
sets the bar for the entire season and shows that BYU can beat the projected Big 12 champs. That's part of your argument. Yes, absolutely. You got to set the tone going into the new conference. Steven Notham on Twitter. Oregon. Austin is a legendary venue. Oregon's one of the most dominant teams on the West Coast. Also games that the seasons start create momentum. Beating the Ducks sets up a beautiful position for BYU. Plus, it's on Fox during the day. All eyes will be in on this game. Plus, BYU has to avenge the, uh, what year was it? Was it, ni- was it 91 when BYU went there? 89 when BYU went to Oregon and lost with yeah, Ty Emmer? Yeah, I can't remember the exact year. It's a revenge game without knowing it. But the, got, BYU gotta sort gotta go of got the revenge in the bowl game. Oh, yes, they did. Yes, they in did. In 2006. Yes, but, yeah, go back did. to Austin and win that game. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. He is Jason. I am Jerem. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Yesterday, BYU football tweeted out a video of a great throw and catch between Jaron Hall and Puka Nakua. Will Puka Nakua have 1,000 yards receiving this season? I've said this for a few months, yes. I believe he will be a 1,000-yard receiver. Had 805 last year yep. in 12 games. He missed the Arizona game. Hamstring was an issue in fall camp. Great one-footed catch in practice. I believe he'll be a 1,000-yard guy and an NFL draft pick next year. I, I expect it. We yes. saw how good he was last year, and he's going to be even more of a focal point of this offense this season. Absolutely. He's going to get to 1,000 yards. Joey has not had uh, more than, I don't know, five, eight dudes like Puka Nakua in its history. Like, that physical, that uh, those hands, that ability, that route running. Like, he is a special receiver for BYU. Yes, he is. I think he, honestly, when he's gone, he could very well leave as viewed as BYU's best receiver they've ever had. I don't believe that. I believe See, I, I think will he, stay there. I think he has but, the possibility. But Puka is going to be in that sphere. Okay. Yesterday, NFL teams, I think it's statistically based on depth. Yesterday, NFL teams released uh, depth charts. What player and spot stuck out the most to you? It was probably seeing um, Tyler Algiers like running back seven, <laughs> only because we expected by it's all, when it's all said and done for him to possibly be the starter of the Falcons. It's traditional that it the is. rookies get yes. listed last. But there. just to see that's it, it was why. like. But it was like, wait, we were told he'd be yeah. good, right? Yeah. So that's Falcons? the one that really stood out to me. Yeah, absolutely. That's one for me, too. I was like, uh, what? And then you kind of get the clarification. Rookies are listed right. last. Sometimes. They don't want to give them any credit early on. Yes. You want to give him a big head to start They're things like, out. You get paid the, the least amount, unless yes. you're a quarterback. Okay. Uh, Malik Moore narrated an interception he had in practice yesterday, and it sounded like this. You know, on his hot day, slight work. Uh, you know, the backers dropped. They got to their depths, made the quarterback overthrow it. I just completed what they started. You know what I mean? It's a team effort. It's a team sport. You know what I mean? I ain't do nothing but catch the ball, but I caught the ball. <laughs> a little smile at the end. He's also, he may be angling for like an analyst job too. That's Brought not bad. Brought to you by Wingstop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Will Malik Moore lead the Cougars in interceptions again this season? Last year he had three. I mean, he's got great hands. Yes. Led with three last year. He tied with Jacob Robinson Correct. for three as well. Jacob Robinson now corner. Safety, the easiest spot to get picks traditionally. Don't overlook Peyton Wilgar who had three in 2019 and two yes. last year as well. See, I, I my initial was, I kind of want to go with one of the linebackers, but but yes, I'm going to say he will. I'll say he'll lead it again. Okay, yesterday at the end of the show, I asked out loud how many times we always had two first-round picks in the same NFL draft. 1987 is the answer with Sean Knight and Jason Buck. What's the chance this happens next year in the NFL draft for BYU? 
Look, there's already buzz in terms of these early, early NFL draft mock drafts. I think it's a a good chance. Are we, you want like a percentage? I don't know. Sure. I'm going to say 75% of their That high? I, I'm going to say 75%. Uh, if we're talking Jaron and Blake. Jaron, Jaron and Blake. If they really? have the seasons that we expect them to have, I absolutely think it puts them in that situation. So I'll say 75% right now. There's a chance. Statistically, there's you know a website that categorizes, I can't remember the name of it, but they, they gather all the draft pick. Yes. Thing, and they actually give it a percent. And right now it's like 8% or something for kind of each guy. So I'll, I'll say like, yeah, there's like an 8% chance that eight BY has two first round picks next year. It's why do you hate BYU? <laughs> I do? What? Uh, no, I don't hate BYU. They pay the bills. Look, I'm just I'm going off of what these mock drafts already say now. And if these players yeah. have the seasons that we know they're capable of and we expect them to have with this schedule. Jaron's gotta play all 13 and play really well. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's that crazy. All right, New York Jets starting tackle Makai Becton suffered a most likely season-ending knee injury on Monday in practice. Reports yesterday that the offensive line really struggled in his absence in Jets practice. Does this change your expectations for Zach Wilson and the Jets? Honestly, it does a little bit because last year Makai Becton had a season-ending injury early in the year as well. That affected him. He's a tremendous yeah. left tackle, big-time draft pick a few years ago. This is tough because what the Jets have to do and Zach has to do is play well, but also they have to approximate the playoffs. And then next year they have to actually make the playoffs where they may be done with Zach. If Zach has the year he had last year, this year, they may not have him be the starter again. So missing your stud left tackle like that is really hard. Yeah, it's it's a big, big deal. Look, I didn't ultimately from a wins-loss situation have much going on with the Jets this year anyway. I still th I think they will be better. Like seven and ten would be Oh if they get if right they get there. seven wins, that's that's insane. I don't see him sniffing close to seven this year. <laughs> like I maybe five. Zach's gonna have to maybe a lot five in those losses. But but yeah you can't lose a starting left tackle and 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 have and feel like oh yeah we're gonna be fine with a position that already struggled with yeah. him, let alone without him. Pittsburgh Pirates infielder Rodolfo Castro slid into third last night. His phone fell out of his pocket That's in the process. Crazy. What's the oddest thing you've seen in a baseball game? Obviously, they're not talking about in person. Just something from the – it's got to be Randy Johnson and the bird. Oh, just unbelievable that's, moment, that's right? That's still – now – Rest in peace to that bird. <laughs> that is still the, the weirdest feathers. thing I have ever seen. <laughs> not – but. The astronomical timing that yes. had, you know what Cosmic. I mean? Cosmic. There's just no way that would have ever happened again, certainly. You wouldn't have thought it would happen the first time, so that's where I'm going. I'm not going to say the name of the player, but uh, during a BYU baseball game a couple of years ago, this player was was strong upper body. The jersey didn't fit. They had to switch mid-game, mid, uh, so the jersey fit. It happens. It's it something something I don't know about, which is upper body strength. I have no clue about that. <laughs> okay. Do. All right. Uh, Ricky Cole is a defensive lineman from SMU, and he was a high school teammate of BYU sophomore offensive lineman Ben Ward. And Ricky tweeted the following. He says, I don't know how many people could go overseas for two years, come back way underweight, get asked to gain 50 to 60 pounds, and switch their position. At Ben 34 Ward did all that without blinking an eye. Nothing but respect for my brother. Jeremy, if you had to gain 50 to 60 pounds. 50 to 60? What would your diet consist of? Uh, a lot of the guys that have tried to gain weight over time uh, have, have talked about waking up in the middle of the night. You got the protein shakes, of course, but yes. like pounding peanut butter oh, yeah. and jelly sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Middle of the night, you wake up pounding those. So it'd probably be that. 
Okay, well, first off. A lot off, of Tucanos, probably. Yeah, well, as long as you go, it's a lot of protein. you got to mix in a lot of carbs. See, I, I've sworn off, for the most part, uh, carbs and How'd you casio, then? Par carbs and sugar? I would go all carbs, all sugar. I'd, I'd, I probably wouldn't take me very long. <laughs> 50 to 60 pounds. 50 to 60 is so If I eat as often as I normally do, but changed what I eat, it probably wouldn't take me that long. Mm, okay, so. it's good to know. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We are live in Studio C. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton. To my left sits Jerem Jordan. It was our privilege yesterday to speak with the captain of the offensive line, if you will, the guy who's making the calls at the line, the center, Connor Pay. On topic are things like media poison, why it's weird to get so much attention, and what does it really mean to earn one of those starting spots in a group that's so deep? Here is our two-on-one all-access with Connor Pay. Connor, outside of football life and before training camp gets going, what do you do for fun to help you kind of adjust and, and move back into everyday football? Um, well, I love to go boating in the summers. So that's kind of, that's what I do when school's over and we only have football in the mornings. Go boating, go fishing, go do some of those things. Um, and then taper that off as camp gets closer, get a little more focused, watch a little more tape. Uh, and kind of help transition to get my mind into into football mode. Okay, so, so the follow-up question there is: Did you catch your 200-pound grouper and get enough <laughs> nice. no. get enough 360 no. degrees in on the wakeboard? No, no, for sure. Rainbow trout, a pound or two. That's what I was maxing out at. <laughs> I saw that online though. Someone just drags a 200-pounder in there. It was crazy. Okay, so tell us more about you uh, because you're kind of a new character to this group. And you're the center. You're a super, super important figure here. Yet you played more games than people maybe remember last year when James Empey got hurt. Yeah. Yeah, so at the start of the year, I was starting at right guard. Um, then when James uh, got hurt, I slid over to center. Um, so it's, that's, kind of, that's kind of my story, basically, of the last two years. Didn't really do much in 2020 right off my mission. Um, and then now uh, transitioning to center full time which has been good to kind of focus on one position and kind of hone in. It's been nice. So. Did you play center growing up at all? No. no okay, I, this is new. I never played center until I got here. Gotcha. So, yep, I came in as a tackle um, and played tackle most of my first year with guard a little bit too. The opening in the two deep was at guard. Um, and then Grimes and Mateos had me uh, start learning how to snap a little bit about halfway, maybe three-quarters of the way into the year just to see if I could do it. Um, and it came pretty naturally, so ended up learning a little bit, played in a couple games at center, ended up having to play center in the bowl game, which was my first real game action when we weren't up by 50. So um, now transitioning to that center position full-time, still learning. It's still pretty new but because I only got half a year at it last year, but it's been good. How do you feel about the responsibility of being essentially – the play caller of the offensive line and what that means on such a talented group that BYU brings back up front. Well, it's really nice because everybody's experienced and so everyone really knows what's going on. So basically all I'm doing is confirming what's in everybody's minds already um, and just making sure uh, I know the playbook the best I possibly can. So if something weird does happen, I can make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, and so I've 
I've probably spent more time in the playbook this offseason than any other in my life just because of that responsibility and trying to know the offense the best I possibly can where I'm not worried about any of the guys I'm playing next to, but just making sure that if something does happen, we can all get on the same page. And as long as we communicate and everyone's doing what everyone thinks the other person's doing, we'll be able to pick most things up and get the job done. So, Give us a sense pre-snap of what that's like. You break the huddle, then what? So depending on the play call, my reads go first level, second level, third level. So my first read is reading what kind of front they're in. And you're well, saying it out loud? Yep, I'll call it out once I see it, where their backers are lined up. Um, and then I'll make what's called an ID based off of that. And IDs mean different things for different plays and different schemes. But based off of that ID, basically everyone else knows where they're supposed to go. And so it's my responsibility to be able to process the defense really fast make the call quick so everyone can make sure they know where they're going. And sometimes it even goes up to safeties. If they're in specific locations, we may turn a protection or something like that. But Does Clark ever go, no, wait a minute. Does he ever help you if you miss something? Is, who's like the first guy to help you there? Are you kidding? I need to help myself. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I don't need anybody's help. I help him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of, yeah, if, if something is like blatantly wrong, if I just say a call that's wrong, It'll be Clark, it'll be Joe, it'll be Blake, Harris, any of those guys. We'll be like, hey, no, look at this, and we'll change it. And I'll be like, oh, yep. Or if they want to double check, you just be like, hey, you sure you don't want to do this? And I'll be like, yep, no, we want to do this. So we just communicate. As long as we communicate, it works out fine. Jeremy and I were recently discussing the fact that the offensive line gave up just 15 sacks total last year. 12, sorry. 12, 15 the year before. 15 the year before. Yep. Okay, so 12. So you are That's paying, you are paying attention to that. That's okay. why I know that number. Is that the stat? incorrectly. Okay. It was, it was 12 and then it was 15. 12 and the then before. 15 the year before. Yep, okay. Yep, yep. So is that the stat that matters most to you? Or if not, is there another stat that the offensive line cares more about? Well, I mean, we do care about sacks a ton because generally, with rare exceptions, it's usually our fault if a sack's given up. So we care about that number. Um, that's 12 sacks too many. Uh, but I think, you know, we're, we're not, we don't have any stats really for ourselves. So really we care about the stats of the offense. How many yards per carry are we getting? Because that has a lot to do with how successful we're being up front. If we're getting four or five yards a carry, chances are we're doing a decent job. Um, ta tackles for losses when we look at a ton. We, we watch all the tackles for losses from last year somewhat frequently to figure out what happened because we should never have tackles in the backfield. Um, and uh, explosive plays. We want to help generate explosive plays. So that's probably, those are probably the main stats we pay attention to. So, Do you have internal grades where the coaches give you a grade for a game? Because there's, there's PFF grades as well. Like, what do you guys look at to be like, okay, we're all linemen, we don't have the same stats, yet you are getting kind of yeah. other metrics? Yeah, Coach Funk will grade every player, and you'll get a grade for the game. Um, and yeah, Pro Football Focus does their thing, but that's a little different. It's kind of an outside guy trying to guess the scheme we're running and then grading us off that. Um, but Coach Funk will grade every game and every play, and we'll get our, yeah, so okay. you'll get a grade, um, a percentage uh, on Mondays when we come back. So, and then we'll go over it, and he gives you a sheet, basically play by play. You either got a plus or a minus on that play, and we'll figure out what we do well here, what we do wrong here, and we'll go through play by play. You ever walk out with 100? No. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody ever has. No. So, 
There's always a first time for everything, right, Connor? We we <laughs> we yes, we try and get to the this very year, top. It's happening. I don't know yes. why Lemon has played a perfect game. You let me know, <laughs> so I can go watch it. Fair enough. And try to mimic it. <laughs> Connor Pay, the BYU Center, with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're at camp. Uh, Connor, we've heard a lot about the versatility of this line and the sheer number of available, experienced veteran leader bodies on the offensive line. Um, how much does it matter to get the starting nod to you guys? Because it feels like eight or nine of you are going to rotate in pretty significantly, but yeah. what does that starting spot mean to the guys on the line? Well, I mean, everybody, you want to play at the level of a starter, and uh, you want Coach Funk to have the confidence in you to be able to say you're the starter for me, the starting center. Um, and, uh, you, I mean, obviously you strive for that. That's why you're out here practicing so hard every day. It's because he's trying to figure out how to set the depth chart. We're rotating a bunch right now. Dudes are moving around because he's trying to find the best group of five guys to put on the field to put us in the best position to win. Um, and so, yeah, there could be some rotating. I don't know how they're going to do that. That's up to Coach Funk and what he thinks will be best for the team. Um, but obviously everyone's striving for a starting spot, and that pushes everyone, that elevates everyone to a, a different level because you know that if you're not giving 100% effort, you're going to start losing reps because there's somebody right on your tail who wants that starting spot too. So This group returns a lot of guys, tons of talent, uh, a lot of conversation about the O-line, which is exciting. Sometimes it's just whatever, right? It's weird. Tell me about that. Well, it's well for one, because we don't really care. Um, <laughs> and for two, normally people aren't focused on the linemen, but we like it that way. We're just there to do the work and get out. Um, and we don't, I mean, we've used this phrase before, the media is poison. Um, and it's true. Yeah, all those other media yeah, besides us, they're poison. In a lot of ways, they're poison. No offense, no offense. But uh, because they'll, they'll turn on you in a second. That's the reality. Uh, and so we don't really care. The media can say whatever they want. What matters is the people in that building and what we're doing on the field here. That's what we're focused on. So. Yeah, no, no offense taken. Maybe we'll just bring up the sack that you gave up in the Baylor game. Okay, <laughs> okay. On. Don't <laughs> no. take him off. I'm closest to him. Be careful. Wow. I kid. Be careful. I kid. Jeez. I kid. Um, now, it's hard for us not to gush about just the experience, the sheer size of the line, uh, the talent level there. But where do you feel like the offensive line needs to be better right now at this point in camp? Because for all the good that has been said, you're hard on yourselves. Where do you need to be better? The list is long. Um... Right now, I would say consistency, probably. Um, we do a lot of really good things, uh, just not 100% of the time. Um, and usually, it's if four out of the five guys are doing it right, the play's busted because of the one. And so just being consistent, all five guys on the same page, going hard every play. And that's, that's part of what fall camp is for, is for the unit to gel um, and to uh, you know, become extremely consistent in uh, in our play because that's eventually what's going to win us games. So I'd say consistency right now. He's an expert boater. He's an expert fisherman. <laughs> Most importantly, he is the starting center for BYU football on their offensive line. Connor, great to have you on the show. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Back in the show. It's time to whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. The Athletic made oddly specific predictions mm -hmm. for their preseason top 25 <laughs> teams saying BYU would have the same amount of giveaways, turnovers, 12 as last year. 
If I told you that happened this fall, what's your win total based on that number alone? I think the same as last year, 10 wins. Whether or not you want to throw in the bowl game or not to get to those 10 wins, fine, whatever. But if you only have 12 giveaways, which over 13 games is less than one per game, you are doing a fantastic job with ball security. I liked it in the article, they did say, BYU committed those 12 turnovers, and then they say, the Cougars will have the same number or fewer miscues this fall. That's a fun idea. What if they have fewer? Then it, what happens? It was fun. Then it's a 10 or 11 wins. I think it's 9 to 10 wins if it's 12 again. Uh, fewer would be incredible. Jaron Hall took care of the ball so well. Only five picks. BYU coughed it up seven times and fumbles. Three of which came in the Boise State game. Right. Okay, so there were four turnovers in the Boise State game. And a pick. You're four so of the 12. You're telling me four of the 12 happened in one game? That was, that was the outlaw. You That's want to know how BYU lost to Boise State? Four turnovers in a no, season. They only turned no over 12 question. total times. Well, that was incredible. BYU will be hard-pressed to do that again. That's really hard. Really tough. That's really hard. Really tough. Yeah. All right, college football writer Tom Fornelli lists BYU as one of five chaos teams most capable of unexpectedly destroying somebody's season and college football playoff hopes. If BYU could wreck one team's college football playoff hopes based on the opponents on their schedule, which team would you choose? There's only three that have playoff hopes, Notre Dame, Baylor, and Oregon. Notre Dame. I just think a win over Notre Dame always matters. We still talk about 94 and 04, even though yes. those Notre Dame teams weren't good. I kind of want Boise State to be undefeated when BYU plays them. I want Boise State to be really good. That's not going to happen. They won't. But they but do have a big It would be fantastic if they were in a position where BYU could go in there and be like, uh, it was cute while it lasted. You're undefeated in the top 20 but we got our vengeance and now your perfect season is over. So I would love for that to work out that BYU could ruin Boise State season because yeah, I'm petty and vindictive for what happened last year in the yeah. rivalry in play. Yeah. But beating Notre Dame and like BYU becoming like, oh, they're the independent team that could sneak into the New Year's Six now. Notre Dame's out of it, that would be a lot of fun. And if Notre Dame beats Ohio State in week one, great game. Notre Dame's cooking. Like, let's hope they beat Ohio State just to make that more interesting. ESPN's Pete Thamel released a list of top 25 up-and-coming potential future head coaches in college football. You listen to Aaron Roderick at 18. Okay. BYU has another great season this year. Should BYU be worried A-Rod could leave for a head coach again? Yeah, they should always be worried. Anytime your offense is cooking like this and he's placed now, we think after this year, back-to-back -back BYU quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe back-to-back first-round NFL quarterbacks. Sweet. Then, you know, people start to pay even more attention to Aaron Rod. Like, what are they doing over there? So yeah, I, I'd be worried. I'd be worried right now, like just based on what he's done. Like I'm sure teams are looking at him right now. They got to pay him what a lower level uh, G5 pays, just in case. They got to keep paying him because Aaron Roderick is the key, obviously, to what's happening on offense. Not only as a recruiter, but a play caller. Just incredible. Hey Rod, please stay in Provo. Yeah, as long I, as you like. I think he loves it here. I think he's happy. Happy here. Um, he's home, right? He's. He's able to let loose, unlike what Utah did yeah. with him. Hey, Utah, you could have had this. You could have had this. You hey. didn't. You didn't let him. He's a peacock. He's got to fly. Hey, Rod, you don't need you to go anywhere else. You didn't let him fly. Else. You don't need to go anywhere else. Hey, just be an offensive coordinator here forever. Just see Doug Scoville. He left for the NFL. He was hey. unhappy. He came back to BYU. Aaron Roderick is hereby called as Emeritus <laughs> Offensive Coordinator. All those in favor, please make it manifest. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Big Game Boomer has released a list uh, ranking the best coordinator duos in college football. Speaking so of. We're expanding it from Aaron Roderick to Aaron Roderick and Eli Tuiaki. Hashtag drop eight, baby. He has them at number 20 overall. Is that mark too high, too low, or just right? I think it's just right. Um, the combination of those guys is really good. E gets hammered a lot for the drop eight. Duh, duh, we're not, 
Hey, the number the numbers are good enough, and most seasons pretty good actually. And BYU doesn't win ten games in spite of the defense; they won it with them. We think BYU is a top twenty team overall. Well, you can look right to their fits. coordinators. So yeah, it feels like they're right at number twenty. We think that's where BYU is going to show up. It's I think totally totally fair. I think A Rod's a top ten offensive coordinator personally. Yeah. Um, okay, Zach Wilson went viral again yesterday for another great throw in practice. Is this the best throw by Zach this offseason? This is side armed into Elijah Moore's incredible hands. I love that Elijah Moore quote tweeted this and was like, Swaggy Z. <laughs> <laughs> Swaggy Z is a new one. I haven't heard that one for Zach Wilson that's, yet. That's good. Uh, well played. Swag Daddy, Swaggy Z. Well, and it, it's almost like, I mean, he's kind of looking at it, but he's like looking at Elijah out of the side of his uh, his eyes. So it's almost like a misdirection throw, too, with the sidearm. That, that's Everyone just, wants to be Patrick The Mahomes. NFL picked it up. The NFL put it out there. And I was like, holy Zach Wilson. Zach has more highlights coming out from the NFL than touchdowns last year. <laughs> like, I'm excited <laughs> because he had nine. I'm excited for that number to be 20 plus for sure. Them. And he was injured for a few games last year. Yeah. Right? And he played for the Jets. <laughs> Courtney Wayman. We talked about her off the top of the show. Sound the best year ever. Ran the third fastest steeplechase time by a United States woman ever last night. She finished Man, sixth at the Monaco Diamond League. Monaco. These are the best runners in the world in large part. Generally. Yes. Has any BYU athlete had a better year this past year than Courtney? Only one person can rival it in some way. It's Michaela Clough. Okay. Because she's the Herman, a Herman Trophy finalist, best player in BYU history, helps them to their best finish ever national runner-up, gets married, USA U23 team, and now she's in the NWSL. So, pretty good year. Yeah, that, that's She's true. the only like, person that, that can rival other, it. It, it. Yeah. I mean, Whitney Orton had a fantastic year, but it's not quite Courtney Wayman and Michaela Clough, right? Yes. Winning like, a natty, even Connor Mann's like, won a natty, it's like, well, what else? All incredible. <laughs> now, if you want to extend that conversation to former BYU athletes over the past year, then it gets a little more interesting with another soccer player, Ashley Hatch. She was yep. the Golden Boot winner in the National Women's Soccer League. She won an SB for the best NWSL player. Her team won the title. And she's playing with Team USA, the senior women's national team. Like, she's pretty had a pretty awesome. good year as well. But that's kind of a, an expanded conversation outside of hey, know, BYU. I love that we have several that have had amazing years. Hey, fun, fun to be at Brigham, man. Well done. Well done Winners. to women. My goodness. Bringing it. Honestly, women, women, women better than the men. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. The final independence tour for BYU football just over three weeks away. That tour begins in Tampa at the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Raymond James Stadium against USF. In how many days? Uh, yeah. Countdown to the Bulls. 23 days. 23 days. I'm Michael Jordan. Exact. Yeah. Come on now. We are we are three weeks from Saturday from a game. Not a practice. A game. And BYU has, we think, some things to prove. Certainly, they want to get a little bit of vengeance against USF and Jaron Hall specifically for what happened. And maybe prove some things that the BYU team can go on this, the road to Florida early in the season, win a game there. But Jaron, it goes without saying, BYU has bigger fish to fry. So specifically, what does BYU yeah, like have fish. to prove this year in their final year of independence? I'm saying three things, okay? One is BYU proving it's ready to go into the Big 12 and not just be in the Big 12, but compete, compete, compete. in the Big 12, right? 
you need to show well against Power yeah. Fives. You need to win 10-plus games again, right? right? Yep. If you can do that against this schedule, BYU's got a good team, but like this schedule, you got four top 25 teams walking into the season. Hey, sure, that's sure. something. I think just like 2021 needed to validate 2020, I think 22 needs to validate 21 to oh, you, some degree. You believe there, there needs to be some more validation. Let me explain why. What we don't want is for 21 to have been an anomaly. Like, oh, BYU went 6-1 and one versus Power 5s, 5-0 and oh versus Pac-12. Well, that was the exception. What we want is for BYU this year to go like 4-1 and one against those P5s again and be like, yeah, BYU can Even play a winning well. record. Even a winning I'd record. I'd take 3-2. Yeah, 3-2 and two would be tremendous, especially because these teams are better than the teams BYU played last year. Um, and then the other thing is to finish off the rivals in style. Sure. Uh, sure. Or just win, period. Utah State and Boise State are two teams that BYU may not play for a while again. Yes. We don't know. Yes. I hope BYU plays Utah State um, occasionally. Yeah. I don't need a Boise State game anymore um, because Boise State's a good program. You're playing a Power 5 schedule. Um, I would like to play Utah almost every year. It sounds like – well, I'd like to play them every year. But it sounds like BYU and Utah aren't going to play every year. We're thinking, I don't know, six to eight times a decade. So finish off the rivals. Uh, Utah State, you're not complaining about Boise State won last year. We know all that drama. So those are the three things that stick out that BYU sort of has to prove this year. Sure. Everybody's watching under BYU under a microscope, especially in Big 12 country. All right, what are the Cougars made of? Let's see. Like, we know what they did last year. But now that they have the Power 5 invite and it's been a little while and we're bearing down on that date, like, they're going to be under a microscope for sure. Like, are they really a Power 5 team? Can they really compete in the Big 12? Let's see. They'll have Texas and Oklahoma in there for the first few years. Is BYU a team that can actually win a Big 12 title? Those things will be discussed and looked at. So I'm with you on that. Proving some things that you can go and absolutely compete right away to win a Big 12 division, if there are divisions, who knows, or get to a Big 12 championship game. I'd take a division title because that means you're probably in a New Year's Six. Now, we'll see if, like you said, if there are divisions at all. The second thing that I thought about was BYU has some individuals that need to prove their mettle and their worth in NFL eyes. Yeah. Like, this season is so critical for a guy like Jaron Hall. Mm -hmm. This could legitimately, like if he plays okay, maybe he's like a fifth or sixth round draft pick. He's late running. If he's not like good to great, then he slides, right? So this season He, he could be undrafted, right? Exactly. Like it, he it can, can go, go first undrafted. He can go so poorly that it's yes. like, oh, yeah. man, he just kind of fell off the radar. But if Jaron plays well, then we're talking about maybe pushing his draft stock from third round or fourth round up into the first round. So that is what, on an individual basis, a guy like Jaron Hall has a lot to prove this year that he is an NFL quarterback and not just getting into the league, but a guy that can go and be an impact player. Like, if he's the first-round draft pick, he's the future for a team. Yes, and he has to play all 13 games, Spence, in my opinion, to yes. really prove that. Now, he could play like 11 or 12. His durability pro is probably in question. Yes. He, ne he needs to have luck in that regard and skill to avoid certain situations that being injured happens sometimes and especially when you have the rock as much as a quarterback there, there are plenty of other guys of on this BYU team that feel like they are NFL players mm -hmm. Puka Nakua Isaac Rex Blake Freeland and Campbell Barrington are on Clark sorry Clark Barrington are on most Campbell NFL later. draft boards yeah Campbell yeah. later right we yeah. expect Campbell to show up there too totally all of those guys have a Peyton, lot to prove Keenan. Those guys off the radar, yeah. I'm glad you brought them up. That's who I'm getting to next is they're, they're a little bit off the radar. They can play themselves into an NFL spot with a great season and their own durability. Yes, whether that's picked or not.
Because we've seen a lot of BYU players have lengthy NFL careers that weren't drafted. Sure. Daniel Sorensen, undrafted. Taysom Hill, undrafted. Like there's Michael Davis. Michael Davis. There's undrafted guys that make an impact, right? And then there's the highly drafted guys who are doing great stuff. Kyle Van Noy, Fred Warner, and others. Jamal Williams. Right. And I know it's a team game. I, I totally get that. But like, let's not overlook the fact that these individuals can set themselves up in a major way for their NFL careers with a great season as a team. When you win as a team, people typically notice. You have more eyeballs. You're in more ranked windows. Like, yeah. the networks can put you in better positions to yeah. be seen. I, I, Dax Milne's a great example of this. If, if Zach isn't the number two pick, I'm not sure Zach's drafted. Like, Zach, uh, Dax would get into a camp and, like, compete and probably make that roster regardless. But, like, the idea of getting yourself into the seventh round, like, did Chris Wilcox get in the seventh round because BYU had a stellar year? I think so. Like, obviously, his speed and skill are number one. But, like, when you, when you watch Zach Wilson film, you're staring at that left tackle, too. Third round, Brady Christensen. That all helps. It builds on each other. Yes. BYU can prove that they have fully adjusted to handling a Power 5 schedule this year. Two years in a row right? is now a streak. Like, exactly. it's a trend. It's not a one-off. Then you can throw 2020 out with like, well, they didn't play anybody in 2020. It's like, well, well 2021 in row, and 2022, yeah. they went 6-1 and one against seven Power Fives in 2021. If BYU has and a, two a winning whatever. record against what we think are going to be tougher Power Five opponents than yeah. last year this year, yes. then it's like, okay, they're ready for the Power Five. So to me, that might be the most important thing, Jerem, is that when BYU knows they have at least nine or ten Power Five games on the schedule – if they can put back-to-back years like this, they've shown me, they have proven that they are ready to transition. It won't be like this crazy hard learning curve when they go to the Big 12. No, their schedules have prepared them, and it will be a slight step up, not like just major smack in the face of going from yes. three or four power fives to ten. And this is why I don't pound the schedule anymore, because the purpose of the schedule changed. All of a sudden, BYU's P5 became a ramp. Uh, or Independence became a ramp to Getting P5. Getting them ready. Yes, if BYU goes 3-2 and two this year and they're 9-3 and three in the last two years against Power Fives, they're ready for the Big 12. Now, will BYU have the same personnel to compete in the same way going into next season? They would need a lot of transfers. Hopefully they can recruit that and, talent yes. at a better level because they played so well. That's the hope. The reality is BYU is not going to replace one-for-one one, Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua. Blake Freeland. Blake Freeland, Peyton Wilga. Like, there's going to be a lot of dudes. But you do put Kingsley Suamatia suddenly at left tackle sure. starting next year. You put Campbell Barrington, maybe in Clark spot. Like, the hope is that you can approximate that and develop and get young guys' experience. The reality is next year is going to be a different um, expectation going into the first year of the Big 12. That's okay. I'm eyeballing 2024 as like, okay, can BYU get after that first year? Now we're ready to win this title and sure. send Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC yes. and at least compete. I'm not saying BYU needs to win the title. Just compete. And I'm excited about what BYU has done with this group. you got to be able to keep Aaron Roderick in this, in this process and Fessy and, and these tremendous coaches who have helped build this. They've locked in Kalani. It's an exciting future right now. 2022 is going to be an awesome season, then let's go from there. The schedule, to me, this year, if they can handle it, certainly if proves you, if, that they are ready for yes, the Big 12. If you can handle 22, you can you compete for a title in the Big 12. Prove that this year. That's what BYU can prove. And with that said... 23 is going to be uh, – will require some great recruiting to compete for a championship. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, like you were saying, proving that they can handle the schedule also would include wins over 
all of those rivals that you might not see for a while. That's you know, that's all. Those are all great. Those are all feel good things. That's like, hey, see you in a while. We just kicked your butt. <laughs> Okay. I'll take a one-point win over both. Like, I don't even, yeah, beat margin USF, doesn't matter. Yeah. Beat Baylor, stun Notre Dame. You know, if, if you want to get angry that they're not coming to pro, all of those opportunities Use, are out there, right? Listen, be, be Michael there. Jordan in the last dance, and I took that Ruin Boise like, State's run at a potential G5 New Year's Six spot. They ain't doing Come that. On. They don't have the team to do it's that. True, they probably no, don't. it's just, just beautiful. What? Hank Bachmeyer? Are you kidding me? D- they won't do that despite having the greatest quarterback <laughs> in college football history. <laughs> This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We're live in Studio B, your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Jerem Jordan, Jason Shepard, Dave McCann now joins us on set as we talk about his schedule superlatives. And of course, after further review continues, you can catch it on demand as we just mentioned. Great show last night. We focused on a lot of the defensive backs and the D-line, and it feels like there's like 30 in both groups. <laughs> uh, we got done, we're like, I think we're gonna be all right on defense. We didn't even talk about the linebackers and that's coming up. But uh, yeah, BYU TV app is sitting there waiting for you and it's a fun hour. Okay, let's talk about some of those schedule superlatives. Walk through what you think. Okay, best game on the schedule. Notre Dame. It's the best game for all those reasons that the two of you just spent a few minutes talking about. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be the awesome. The Golden Domers, let's yes. go. Yeah. Uh, trap game, which one, which one do you worry about that? South Florida. Okay. The first game. The first game because, uh, because of the way the season is. There are some huge games in the season. There's a lot of expectation for returning players, for Jaron Hall to have a, a great year against those big names. It's been a long time since BYU went back there and got beat. So with the exception of Jerem, I don't know if there's a fire of going back there and rectifying it. They beat him last year here. I just have a feeling that, you know, it's the first game, and the first game can spoil a lot of things, Um, especially with Baylor looming the following week and then Oregon after that. I can't remember if a line's out for that, but I would imagine it's like 10 or 11. Uh, Spencer feels like, hey, that game's going to be closer than we think. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? I think they, they've got a lot of transfers in. You know, the Baylor quarterback played well against BYU last year, and now he's their quarterback. I don't know what that means. Their speedy runner, McLean, was fantastic. Oh, dollar store Michael Vick. Yeah. Like, he yeah. was unbelievable. So I don't yeah. know how they're going to work those two. Maybe they play both of them. Um, but it's on the East Coast. It's, it's uh, so much riding on it because there's so many yes. bigger things yes. after it. Well, see, but, history. Well, yeah, but here, here's the, the way I look game, at right? it. Yeah. We all know how good this team should be this year. I think if they're, if they're as good as we think they are, they should be able to hit the ground running. That's yeah. what gives me hope that they come out and they're actually able to do what we think they're capable of doing in game one because of so much production back. So many of those players that got time last year back, they shouldn't have to go through growing pains because they've all been together for right. the most part. Shouldn't. Shouldn't. Shouldn't, but openers are funny yes. sometimes. Openers are weird. It is. True. I, I, and I always argue, why does game one have to be slow? 2001 wasn't. Right. You put up 70. <laughs> Tulane stunk. Doesn't stop. It's like a thousand degrees stink? in that game. Like, yeah, it was so hot. Yeah. Uh, just come out and put up a 70 spot and uh, let's go. Yeah. That's uh, all we ask. <laughs> that's, that's it. We don't ask much. Uh, revenge. Oh, statement game. I think Baylor's the statement game. I know that you guys were talking about Notre Dame. I think Baylor for where BYU's going. They got beat there last year in Waco. It doesn't make it a revenge game. It makes it a statement game, I think, for BYU because 
They got him at home instead of over there. They join the league next year, national TV, just like just like the others. There'll be a lot of hype around this one too. Baylor's what number ten in the coaches poll, although that poll is completely jacked. We'll see where they are yeah. in the AP. Yeah. But I think that's the statement game of BYU saying, "Hey, you know what? Baylor, Baylor, Baylor was the best team last year. BYU is eye to eye with them this year, and we'll see them eye to eye." next year in their league. I love the 83-84 vibes of this, though, where 83, BYU's only loss is there. BYU pounds them at home in 84. BYU got, got worked in that game. That's the only game BYU was out-muscled, right? Yeah. Um, Sometime, then they come back to Pro for the home opener. Sometime you should ask Steve Young about that, Baylor. <laughs> we have too much, <laughs> to the point where he's bugged I when know we it. bring it up. Uh, sometimes that should just come up. Yeah. So you said, uh, you said the Baylor game's not a revenge game. What is your revenge game? I'm Boise State. By nature, BYU overlooked Boise State last year. Uh, it was the only game I think they had multiple fumbles all season. Um, and those fumbles turned into Boise State points yep. all in a matter of minutes in the first half. Um, that was a bad game for BYU. It was cold. It was rainy. Uh, BYU had Baylor the next week. They're what? Under, what were they? Tenth and 5-0. Tenth and in the country and 5-0. and yeah. So they're thinking the showdowns with Baylor. Um, and, and Boise State came in and outplayed them. And I think that makes this a, a revenge game. And I love this sort of, hey, we don't know if BYU is going to play Boise State again, yeah. Yeah. ever. Um, so this is a, a big-time match. And on the blue. That's, I mean, that's it. That's my revenge game. Yeah. Okay. Okay, toughest three-game stretch. Well, I'm going with the first three. Uh, but there's two really tough three-game stretches, and you talked about both of them. But I think South Florida on the East Coast, and then you come here for Baylor – Prime time at night should be a top 25 matchup. Are you going to mention then, a flyover or not on that? Are we going to have a flyover? Oh, there will be a flyover. Yes. The F-15s Come on, baby. for the Baylor game. That's <laughs> going to be such a night. The place will be packed. That's why South Florida is so big. Get through South Florida, even if you beat them by a point, because the 10th is so big here in Provo for all of the reasons of the here and now and, and the future. And then over to Oregon. Yeah, that's a tough three-game stretch because Oregon's in the top. 15, depending yes. on which poll you look yeah. at. Yeah, no, they they have brand. Uh, and they've got a lot to prove this and year. And nothing to take yeah. away from the Aggies, Irish, and, and Razorbacks. Notre Dame and Arkansas, also top 25 teams. But uh, but out of the gate to go there, here, and then then over to, you know, you've covered both coasts and you've got a game in the middle in the mountains against some quality teams. The exciting part on the first three is BYU's tends to, uh, at least in the last decade, be real ready for those first couple of games. And real healthy. Fully healthy. Yeah. That's part of it. Like, I'm a little It's coming out of those fully healthy that's been the problem. Yes. When you get to later in the schedule and you're playing game 5-6, I said 4-5-6. It's 5-6-7 and seven against Utah State, Notre Dame, Arkansas. Who, who's still right. there, right? Is everyone still good? Well, when BYU played Baylor, they were banged up last year in a game where they, they couldn't run the football. They had, they had young linemen in playing for injured linemen. A couple of big mistakes made by those linemen led to hall fumbles and disastrous plays. Um, yeah, this, this September they'll be healthy when they, when they play Baylor. But to be a Baylor, you've got to be healthy in October and November. And I think that's why Kalani's so happy about the depth because that's been the issue at BYU. It's not been the start. It's not really been the middle. It's been the finish. And now that BYU is going to go into a league that's going to put them in big bowl games against P5 opponents, not bowl games that BYU's currently been in, you still have to have a team in December to go and compete and, and win those games in late December or January. That's where BYU has not been able to do it 
And I think that's why Kalani's like, man, I like my guys. And one day, we hope BYU's in the New Year's Six game. Guess yeah. what? You have to have your best squad out in that game. Absolutely. Playing your best. That, yeah. <laughs> like, the Cotton Bowl isn't, ah, BYU was banged up and didn't show up. No, the best BYU team showed up in that game. Which you was think about last great. year, and, and everyone was disappointed with the Independence Bowl. Um, and, and even, you know, had they gone to a P5, or a, no, a New Year's Six. Had they got there, maybe at 10 and 2 and got over Michigan State or whatever, probably got killed. You know, Oklahoma State or one of those Jaren teams. Hall probably played. Ole Miss. Banged we, up. we were banged up. Well, yeah. a quarterback didn't even play in the, in the bowl game. Uh, and those guys weren't. And I was just like, maybe it's one of those tender mercies of go to, <laughs> go to the Independence Bowl and get healthy in the offseason for the love. There are bigger games ahead. All right, we've got some other stuff we want to hit with you. Let's talk some fall camp. What have been your early impressions of camp so far? What stood out to you? I like, I like that Kalani is, uh, is at peace with what's going on. He knows what product he has. He knows the depth we talked about. He's got a newborn at home. So uh, all of us who've had newborns at home know that, <laughs> that life is upside down and sideways. Uh, and in visiting with him um, the other day after practice, there's just a calmness about him. And he said he's, he's really happy with his team. He's really happy with how they are uh, further along in camp than they have been in the past because of the returning players. And um, there's, just a, there's just a vibe around him of, of he's in a good place. And if you could be in a good place in fall camp in front of this kind of schedule with a brand new baby at home, uh, more power to you. And I think... That was oh, that's camp's what, the easy part that's when you get a newborn I, at home. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I've taken it. Timberly uh, is Wonder Woman, but I, that's what I've, I've taken is his demeanor, I think, then carries into the team. It certainly carries into the quarterback. You talk to him, and there's a calmness about Jaron. You talk to Puka, there's a calmness about Puka. That doesn't mean they're, not, uh, they're fighting in the trenches and hitting when they shouldn't, you know, if you talk to the linemen. But there is a there is a... Business, you know, we were there um, a couple days ago. It might have been yesterday. It feels like all one long day. It was yesterday, I think. Uh, maybe it was Monday. But there was a business feel coming off as opposed to opening day when it was high fives. And, yeah. and Jacob Conover said something funny. He said, you know, this is the week where you learn that your friends in the summer aren't your friends in the fall. A.K.A. <laughs> <laughs> the defense. Yeah. And I thought, well said. Well said because they're – Fighting it out over there. Kalani was on the golf course two days after his baby was born. So MVP <laughs> yeah. is Timberlake. And then he's, he, he's on that new contract, too. He's never made more money in his entire right. life. Kalani's This is a good, good time yeah. to have a veteran quarterback. And Meadowline. <laughs> With all of those Brooks, things. Yeah, those, yeah, and to have Pook good. out there yep, and have Chris good. Brooks in here and then to look at that offensive line. Yep. Even though the defense, I think, is going to be one of the big stories of the, of the season. Yeah. It's a great time to be Kalani, and, and I think that adds to his aura of, hey, and oh, by the way, they're in the Big 12 next oh, year. Oh, by the way. Oh, there's yep. just that fact. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. We appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Have Thanks, a great Dave. day. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Week. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. Rankings, rankings, rankings. Yes, they are on the mind as we approach Monday when the AP poll will be released at noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain. I know of something that begins at that Which thing. happens to yeah. be the exact start time of BYU Sports Nation. Now, Jerem, 
here's, here's an early stat of the day to set up my question for you. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Since 1972, BYU has been ranked in the preseason AP poll just 11 times. Yep. Only 11 times since 1972, but they've been in the final AP poll 19 times. They are overachieving in that regard. Plus eight difference is the most in FBS in that time span. That's incredible. Very impressive. Overachieving, essentially. BYU seems to do well yeah. when they are not ranked, and then they work hard and finish ranked. Looting 84. So what would being ranked in Monday's preseason top 25 really mean with that backdrop? There's several things. Uh, without a conference and sort of a preseason uh, expectation among the coaches or media, we don't have sort of the expectation formalized other than a ranking. So it'd be yeah. validation that this team is good. We know this team's good. It's just how good, right? It'd be a springboard. Um, you don't have to be ranked to have a special season. Yes. Uh, in fact, we'll get to that in a minute. Yes. But, it, but it's nice. I, I think it's nice uh, for early matchups in the season that are more marketable. Like when BYU plays Baylor, we hope that to be a top 20 matchup. Yes, when please. BYU plays Oregon, a top 17, top 15 matchup would be nice. Creates expectation. Not that BYU fans need anything else uh, to create expectation, typically. Yes. And it'd be just the 12th time, as you mentioned, and another number. It'd be just the third time BYU's preseason ranked since 98. That's weird, right? Just the third time since 98 preseason? 25 years. Crazy. And only three times. It means that team is expected to be really good. Does it mean the team will be good and will be special? No. It, it, that's not what that means. You have, of course you have to play the games. But we'll break down some more numbers coming up of, of what the history says about if you're preseason ranked. We expect BYU to be ranked on Monday in the AP poll. They were not in the coaches poll, a.k.a. the sports information directors poll. That poll is garbage. We, had, we think the writers at least try, and sometimes that's all you can ask. The true poll is called football playoff poll, mm -hmm. of course. Um, whether you agree with that or not, I wish football had basketball uh, mindset in terms of the basketball committee where they say, we have a lot of metrics. Ultimately, we decide what that looks like, but the numbers help us have data points to inform our opinions. And that's uh, a poll is just an opinion poll I wish it got to that point down the stretch more. Like, F-plus is great. Uh, SP-plus is great. Sagarin. Like, the combination of those things in the future would be nice. AP poll is the poll we go with here on this show until the college football playoff. Yes. That little number next to your name if you're a college football team matters a lot early in the season. Yeah. It automatically means more eyeballs. What does it mean? It means more eyeballs and more anticipation and... Uh, more excitement for not just the immediate team's fan base, but now the nation's watching a little bit more because like, oh, ranked matchup ranked right team. here or ranked team. Like, I'm going to pay attention to You that. stop a little longer on the channel yeah. when it's ranked. Absolutely. You just sit there you a little look longer. a little longer. South Carolina, oh, they're 23rd? Like, I don't care about So it matters. Whether you like the rankings or not, it matters <laughs> subconsciously. Mm -hmm. As you said, when you're watching a game, you're like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to pay attention to this game because we're, there's a ranked team or there are two ranked teams involved. We're conditioned to think that matters more. And I think it does. It, it naturally, like, hey, you're ranked, you, uh, you're a better team. There is a stamp of approval on the past two years if BYU is ranked in the preseason. Yeah. I, I like that. Yes, the validation of not only uh, – of last year. 
Because BYU was season. not ranked coming out the 2020 season. Granted, they lost five draft picks and Zach Wilson was gone. I was like, okay, they, they, lost, they lost too much. This time around, it makes sense because it's like, well, they bring back the same quarterback that they finished the season ranked number 19 with and went 10 and 3. Yeah. Right? If they're unranked, is it like Tyler Algier only? Like, they lost Tyler Algier, therefore no? Well, here's the thing. Like, why wouldn't BYU be ranked? We, were, we, ta- we were talking this morning, uh, and I sent you a message that Brett McMurphy released his AP Top 25. Like, we've had Brett on the show several times. We like Brett a lot. We think he's super, super awesome. He does not have BYU in his preseason Top 25. That's a miss from Brett. Like, BYU should be in that in our in, – in, Extremely biased opinion. How many BYUs are on here? One, two. He does not have BYU in his preseason top 25. Weird. And the twist of irony here is John Wilner does. John Wilner has BYU at number 20. What? So go figure. Like Against the likes of Utah Tech and Liberty. We expect BYU to be in the top 25 (laughs) somewhere. I think somewhere around 21 to 24. I'm hoping higher, but I'm expecting that. When that poll comes out, but... Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Uh, it brings expectations. It's a double-edged sword, which leads us into topic two. Does a preseason ranking set the expectation for that year? Indeed it does. And uh, again, the double-edged sword. It's so great to have that validation. What's a single-edged sword, by the way? I don't know. Aren't they all I lo- double-edged? I, lo- I love the proverbial. How does that work? Does anyone like, know swords? Well, it cuts both ways. Uh, <laughs> I have a single-edged butter knife. <laughs> yes. what, how does that work? Yes. What? So with the ranking yeah. come the expectations and the chance that you fall from those high expectations. If you enter the season as a top 25 team and there are 131 or 130 FBS teams, like that's a lofty nod to you. That's nice. Like, you, now you got to go prove it, right? Yeah. So if you don't, then it's just easier to be disappointed. Then you're UCLA every year. There's a, and that would be the worst. <laughs> right? The most overrated but college you, football team in the past three decades. But you'd be in the Big Ten with all that money with Rutgers. It hasn't made a difference for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's expectations, but that's part of the territory, man. Yeah. Like, you can fall. Yeah. You can rise. I do love the idea of BYU having the opportunity to win meaningful games early as a ranked team. Mm-hmm. Because if BYU starts 3-0... and I know, I know, like that it doesn't feel likely because you got to beat Baylor and Oregon. But if BYU starts three, hey. you know, if they're ranked, let's say 22nd to begin, and then you beat USF, you beat Baylor, the defending Big 12 champions, who yep. might be a top 10 team, you, and then you yep. win at Oregon, yep. you're a top 10 team. You could very just well, like that. You could very well be in there. Very well, because so the, those are two quality opportunities. The opportunity yeah. to rise and really make some noise nationally is there if you're a ranked team and you have early season big wins against other ranked teams. There's a lot of yeast in the beginning of the schedule, if you will, right? A lot of leaven uh, it, for our audience. Uh, it's Old Testament year in Sunday school, so we all know what that is. Okay, a couple, couple things here. Obviously, if you're preseason ranked, you expect that team to be pretty good, like really good. Think about it. If this team's preseason ranked three times since 98, like, I think this is the best preseason team in BYU's independence era. That's what I think. Oh, for sure. I I think this is the best team that BYU walks into a season with. Okay, so like we mentioned, um, let's break down some numbers. So 11 times preseason ranked Mm -hmm. ever for Mm -hmm. BYU. AP Top 25 is what we're talking about specifically. Yeah. 
four times out of those 11, they didn't finish in the top 25. So most of the time, you do. Like, most of the time, that team answers the call. Winning 10 equals finishing ranked. Okay. Except for one season in BYU history, by the way, if BYU wins 10. Okay. It was 91. The 8, 3, and 2 team that played a crazy tough schedule, tied up for senior year. And they started out with, like, the most brutal September of all time. It was crazy. BYU's won 10-plus as we've t- – because mm. I'm now talking about kind of like, okay, preseason ranked, finished ranked, like last year. BYU's finished ranked in the AP Top 25 18 times. Only one season – two seasons, sorry, has BYU not won 10 and finished ranked. Mm. 91 and 77, okay. 92. And there was only one year where BYU won 10 but didn't finish there. Can you name that year? BYU won 10-plus, mm-hmm. didn't finish AP Top 25. It was 2011. That's right. That's right. So uh, this year, our, our hope is that, and prayer, is that BYU is, is a team that finishes ranked. But being ranked in the preseason spins does not mean you're going to have an all-time season. Certainly not. In fact, starting unranked has led to some of the best BYU seasons ever, mm. which brings us to a second stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Ready for this? In each of BYU's four best AP Top 25 finishes, okay. the Cougars began unranked. What? 83, 84, 96, and 2020. So in all four of those seasons, all four were they started unranked. Were they finished in their four best positions? Yes. They were they were unranked at the beginning of each to of those begin. seasons. Wow. To begin! So again, so I ask you. being ranked so ask the you, thing you need? I ask you, do you really want BYU to be ranked <laughs> in the preseason? Yes is the answer, which we'll talk about Is later. it more of a boost or a hindrance? I mean, the all-time, the four best seasons by AP Finish weren't ranked to start. What the heck Isn't were the weird? writers doing between 1983 and 1984? BYU finished number seven in the AP poll. And, yeah, they lost their quarterback, but they brought back a ton of they go, you're the 10th like, best team uh, in the preseason poll. Yeah, whatever. They were number they, they weren't ranked going into 1984 after finishing number 7 the previous year. Uh, oh, I, yeah, what I mean is 80 sorry, 85 after BYU wins the Natty, they go, yeah, ah, you're sure. number 10 sure. preseason. Yeah, Why but from BYU top five? 83 they finished number 7 and then they go into the next season unranked. unranked. Auburn and they won the Natty. Auburn with Cam Newton was the first team to go from unranked to like national champ. National champ since BYU. Yeah, what a whiff. What, what a now, whiff nowadays, it doesn't happen. Like, that will not happen in this era. A, a, a Power 5 team won't emerge from the darkness like that. Does BYU need to be unranked to make it a special season? <laughs> Are we hoping we they're not in the BYU's top 25? on Monday. We're like, please! <laughs> One out. Don't. They're 20, they're 26. They're ranked. We're like, no! <laughs> This is an interesting twist on this. Plot twist. Uh, How about that? We've mentioned the number 22 a couple of times today. It's It's Club 2022. 2022. 2022. 2022. Former BYU players were playing the NFL preseason. Uh, It also has something to do with how many days until BYU kicks off their 2022 season. Countdown to the Bulls. 22 days. 22 days away. That's a lot of 22s. We call that an Ainsworth. 
or in Portland, a Clyde Drexler's worth. <laughs> they, he was on the Wheaties box. I went to Cub Foods. I tried to get the box, the Max 2. Mm. So there you go. Number Every two. time I hear the name Clyde Drexler, I just think about Hot Rod Hunley, the longtime voice of the Utah, just saying, Clyde the Glide. Clyde the Glide. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Rose is on that team. Played man. with him at Houston. Crazy. All right, our question of the day. How would a preseason ranking for BYU football affect your season expectations. Hopefully they're unranked. That's what we we've just given you. We've given you a lot no to ranking. think about here. Please. Let's Please. go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Beoeste on Twitter says, well, it reinforces the idea that the coaches poll is full of it. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. The BYU is relevant. That will end up the money and publicity for game coverage to start the season. It will feed blue-goggled hype. The players will publicly ignore the ranking, but will secretly be excited. Players, yes. Yeah. They validated. absolutely sure. are paying attention. Yeah. Every yeah. former player we talked to is like, oh, yeah, we were watching the rankings every week. They lie. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Time to whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. There are 22 former Cougars uh, playing in the NFL preseason games this weekend, Spence. Which game do you have your eye on the most? Uh, there are two. One is... I didn't ask about two. Okay, fine. <laughs> the Zach Wilson game against the Eagles. Like, straight up. Zach Wilson I'm, I'm with the Eagles. I'm with John Beck. Like, we've heard Let's all offseason long, and we've seen in the preseason, like, Zach making these crazy throws. Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, that offensive line. The Jets are like, maybe good. Let's find out. Let's find yeah. out a little bit. And I don't need him to be good in preseason to be excited, but if he is good, that's nice. Sure. Right? There's one game for me. Um, it's Falcons Lions. Yeah, that's the other one. Tyler Algier versus Jamal Williams, which is very exciting to have those two, two of the greatest, two of the top five running backs he's ever had. Maybe two of the top three ever. Yeah, we're talking about the career rushing record holder against the single season rushing record holder. How cool Pretty is awesome. that? Hey, that we need Jersey Swap. Yeah, that's game number two. Jersey Swap better happen tonight. Falcons, Lions, and then uh, Jets, Eagles for me. That's awesome. Oh, I want to watch the Mormon Missile, Britton Covey, too, which the Eagles fans have dubbed him. The Mormon Missile. Mm -hmm. Hey, Britton Covey fans here, and that's okay. <laughs> College Football Playoff Committee has announced their first CFP rankings of the season will be released on November 1st. Jaron, will BYU be in those initial college football playoff rankings on November 1st? If so, where will they be ranked? Uh, yes, they will. They were last year. BYU was 17th at 7-2, and two, and they play nine games again in that span. I believe BYU will be a little higher this time. I believe BYU will be 14th at 7-2. Okay, two. but still same record, 7-2. and two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think BYU will be in that poll. Uh, I man, if they're seven and two, I'm going on the high side here. Whew. It might be six and three. Six and three is tough. Maybe they're like number 25, right? Uh, because they played some some tough teams. But I think they'll be ranked somewhere in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I hope it's be way ranked. higher. I hope it's way higher. Yeah. Because if it's higher, you got a chance to be in the mix at the end. 
That's the hope. SC Commissioner Greg Sankey said it's time to take a fresh look at perhaps expanding March Madness. Do you want a bigger field than 68? Uh, I mean, if you take it from 64 to 68, why not take it to like 80 teams? I don't know. And then just give like some teams, like the top teams, a buy, if you will. At what point is it diluted is the question. I like 68. It's 19%. There are 351 right college basketball teams. 19% is good to me. Okay. So what's 20%? Is that four more? Take it to 72. I don't know. Do a quarter? 25% get in? Yeah. That would be 80, right? It just needs to make sense from a bracketing standpoint. Who gets a buy and why? Yeah. Yeah. In interesting idea. Okay. Uh, number three, BYU women's soccer plays at number 10, North Carolina, in an exhibition match or college friendly tomorrow. How much stock are you putting into the result of that game as it pertains to BYU's season expectations? I am because it's North Carolina. I am. Like, if BYU ties or wins, that's significant. If BYU loses by one goal, hey, they competed. That's okay. BYU's been well tested. 9-0-1 in spring against some good teams, including Utah, Colorado, Arizona. Sure. Just don't get blown out. By blown out, I mean don't, just don't lose by two or more goals. Yeah, two or more goals will blow out. Like, if you lose by two goals on the road in this, and it's like... Go win! Uh, okay, maybe that number three ranking is a little too ambitious. This team hasn't been beaten in the regular season in a long time. They go not win? Not in spring, not in the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. Let's go. Come out with at least a tie and you're in good, you're in good shape. Okay, uh, CBK Report put out a list of top 25 most hated college basketball teams, players, and coaches in 2022. Gonzaga got three mentions. Fifth is his team, Mark Few at 16, Drew Timmy at 24. Do they deserve three mentions on a most hated list? I don't think so. Why is, why is Drew Timmy one of the most hated college basketball players? Because the mustache. Really? Is that what we've come to? Like, I didn't think, I didn't think Drew Timmy was like, a hateable character. Is Gonzaga hated? I think, I think Gonzaga I think was hated. People are frustrated because Gonzaga is so good. But like, are yeah, they are done they with Gonzaga? They hated. They're program? not a Cinderella anymore. Like she's put on that slipper quite like, a bit, right? Kentucky and Duke, I get it. Gonzaga is right behind those teams as like a hated yeah. commodity. Really? I, I feel like St. Mary should have been on it like eight times. <laughs> but, but that's just me. Yeah, God, no, I, th I think Gonzaga is receiving <laughs> some undue hate yeah, here. Come on, man. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We are live in Studio C. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside Jerem Jordan, who was a busy man at Media Day yesterday. Yeah, I spoke with uh, RB1 Christopher Brooks about spring and now fall camp, his fellow running backs, and expectations this season. All right, Christopher, Chris, what do you prefer, man? Uh, whatever you're comfortable with, I don't care. You know, Topher? You can go Chris. <laughs> now you, now uh, you prefer Chris? Yeah, Christopher? Chris, Chris. That's awesome. So, obviously, we've talked about your transfer from Cal to here. Now that you've been here in spring, it's been a you know, week and a half of, of fall ball. How's Provo been? How's BYU been for you? Uh, it's been fun. You know, it's been fun being able to hang out with the bros, you know, spend time with my teammates. You know, we're finally hitting the football field, so it's been great. You feel uh, like like you fit in well since you were here in spring, and now you know the guys, you know the offense, that kind of thing? Yeah, I feel like I fit in great, you know, uh, and that's part of the guys, you know, helping my adjustment pretty, you know, smooth, so it's been good. I'm sure this is what you wanted, but uh, you're expected to do a lot, to be RB1. 
what's that like knowing, okay, if you have a great year, which we hope you do, hey, you got a shot at having a special season and hopefully the NFL, right? Uh, I'm just taking it day by day, you know. Any way I can help my teammates, um, I'm going to just do what I can, you know, whatever I do for other 10 guys on the field. And so that's as much as I, I'm going to do and, you know, however I can help. You're Christopher Brooks. You're not Tyler Ogier. You do what you do, right? But there's this sense of people aren't that worried uh, with you coming in here. What's that like to know that you have the confidence of a lot of people of, hey, even though BYU lost a tremendous running back, we've got a capable, capable dude in that spot this year? Um, it feels great, but, you know, uh, it all comes down to, you know, practice day by day and just finding something to get better at, you know. Find at least one thing to get better every day, you know. And I think our coaches do a great job of coaching us. I think we'll be just fine. What do you feel like you do well? Uh, as far as what? Football or sure. life or? Yes. Football. Yes. All right, football. Both. All right, well, in football, I think I, uh, I, think I do well with uh, having my teammates back. You know, I think I, I do well with, you know, making sure that, you know, they know I do anything for them. Uh, in life, I just want to be a good person, <laughs> really. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you, you getting an M, uh, uh, graduate degree right now? You working um, on that? Or are you still an undergrad? Post-bac degree. Yes. I'm, well, not, well, kind of, it's a confusing situation. So yeah. post-bachelorette basically means you take credits to stay eligible to play football. Gotcha. Basically mean. Yeah. Awesome. So you could choose to uh, stay longer and get the degree if you wish, or you can uh, just leave, you know? Yeah. What, what did you uh, do in undergrad in at Cal? Uh, psychology. What do you want to do with that, if anything? Uh, I think I'm start a couple of businesses. Uh, probably go down that route. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. There's a good MBA school here, too. Yeah. 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 I'll just check that out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we talked to Christopher Brooks on uh, BYU Sports Nation. So um, you talked about what you did well. Aaron Roderick mentioned the other day that you're a tremendous pass catcher. Um, what role does that play in your game this year outside of actually running the ball? I think, you know, to be a running back, you got to be able to catch the ball as well as you can run it and block it. So you got to be able to do all of those things. And, you know, if you can only do one or the other, I mean, look at running backs these days, you got to do it all. So, yeah. Okay, let's walk through some of your fellow running backs. Tell me what you really like about their game or their person. Lopini Katoa. Lopini, uh, he has great hands, great vision, great feet. Jackson. McChesney, uh, one of the stronger running backs. Um, he knows the offense really well, and he brings experience. Miles Davis. Miles is probably one of our fastest uh, running backs. Uh, yeah, that's all you need, speed. Speed, speed kills. baby, speed, speed kills. kills. Yeah. Mason Fakahua. Mason Fakahua. Uh, Mason, uh, he's really intentional with what he does um, in regards to the cuts he makes and how he reads plays. Let's talk about the offensive line. You played football for a long time. The expectation is that this group is really, really good. What do you like about who they are and what they do? Uh, I like that um, they do work hard every day. And, you know, and part of the reason is because you know their coach, you know, does not play around. And Daryl Funk. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> you go to practice, you're gonna hear him. <laughs> so you know they're pushed. You know, and I think that they have a great edge on their shoulders. Okay. In terms of size, like of O lines you've played with, and seen. It seemed like a big group. What do you What do you see? Yeah, I say. Can you see anything? Yeah. When you're running. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. 
not that short, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. Well, I mean, like they take up space. Oh yeah, they yeah. do take up space, yeah. you know, and it's nice because you know they got some size on them. I can't go call a guy taller than me short. Right, right. You're not short, it's like, hey, but like, shorty. dude, Braden Kime, even the back six eight, dude. Right, right. Like Blake Freeland and these guys. What did they bring to the table in terms of physicality and kind of aggression that you think will be successful against Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, Arkansas? Yeah, I think uh, they're great technicians, and I think they do a great job with their hands and feet. And I think that that's just something they work on daily. And so when when they harness those skills, you know, and they play at their best. You know, those guys are good. Talk to me about Jaron Hall. What's he like as a quarterback from your viewpoint? My dog, Jaron. Uh, Jaron, he's a he's a real seasoned, you know, experienced guy who, you know, he's really in control and you know he he has confidence in, in himself and I think that you know that helps him you know play calm and kind of just play through everything. What was your perception of kind of what BYU did last year, especially going five and zero against the Pac-12, being a Pac-12 player last year? Um. In college football, anybody can win. Anybody can win. Uh, that's one thing, you know, anybody has to understand is that, you know, that's probably the reason why college football is, you know, the greatest sport, you know, because anybody can win at any time. It doesn't matter. And so, I mean, you got a great team who plays hard. I mean, with the edge on their shoulders, that just shows that, you know, you could be anybody. You getting along with the Stanford guy, Houston Hamilly? Yeah. <laughs> Got along with them pretty well, you know. <laughs> our roommate, yeah. See him every day, so. The nickname of, oh, your roommate? Yeah. How's he as a roommate? Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. He clean up? Yeah. Do the dishes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does, he does. Houston is a good dude. Yeah. Not everyone watches the, di you know, I have former roommates, too. I know <laughs> yeah. how it is. I know how it is. The game is maybe one of the best, if not the best, nicknames of any college football rivalry. What was it like to play in? The game, Cal oh, and the Stanford. big game, the big game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was fun, you know. And there's a lot of history in that rivalry, you know. Uh, it goes back all the way, you know, for the 1900s, you know. And so it was fun, and a lot of people cared about that game, you know. And it was always fun playing them. You know, nice physical game. Uh, see him again this year, you know. Except it's not rivalry; it's just another game. It's it's Chris Brooks versus Stanford uh, with BYU, which will be fun. Right. Talk to me about games that stick out on the schedule for you in terms of quality opponents and an opportunity, obviously, to showcase what BYU can do and what you can do. Yeah, I think uh, USF or UCF. What is yep, it? USF. U USF. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that. You know, I think that game sticks out. You know, because that's a veteran answer, by the way. The first one. Hey. <laughs> been here. I've been doing You've this. You've done this a minute. Done this, maybe I've done this a few times. Say you your know? first rodeo. Yeah, no, yeah. first rodeo, you know, but yeah. First game, you know, always the most important. Yeah. More serious question here. Um, what have you overcome in your life that's helped you become who you are? Um, what have I overcome? Uh, you know, I think that um, the trials and tribulations that I have. I don't really know any specifics, but I do know that um, anytime I make a mistake or anytime that I uh, misjudge something or make the wrong decision, I always learn from it. That's awesome. Who are some of the major influencers in your life, whether that be family or otherwise? Uh, major influencers in my life. Uh, I really don't have any. I really don't have any. Uh, it's kind of weird because uh, I, get, I, I get asked that question a lot. You know, it's like who who impacts you or who do you look up to? And I really don't look up to anybody. I kind of just 
go with the flow and kind of just kind of like self-motivated kind of like self-motivated and I kind of I let my experiences mold me into the man I am today and I think that kind of guides me and that gives me that edge you know it gives me that passion um, why I love football why I want to be you know want to be great you know I think that's kind of why Chris it was fun talking to you man best of luck this year appreciate it appreciate it Chris Brooks Jerem He's ready to roll. He's ready to rock. Last year, uh, he averaged 5.2 yards per carry, 6.9 yards per catch. Had 21 total touchdowns at Cal. He is a Lopini type in his versatility. Obviously a different f- player physically, uh, but he's RB1, and then you could argue 1B is going to be Lopini. So it's going to be a, a fun season rushing. Yeah, game. the conversation we had the other day about how much of a role he's going to have in the pass-catching game is a fun one because I thought he was his at his best at Cal when he was – that guy. Just get him the ball. Like, in any way. I, I'm excited to uh, see what he can do on offense, man. Aaron Roderick said he's, he's uh, further developed as a pass catcher than Tyler was. Yeah. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.